Are you ready for the word this morning? I said, are you ready for the word this morning? 1 Samuel chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 19. 1 Samuel chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 19. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 19. Hear the words of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 19. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am a seer. Go up before me to the high place. For you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And of whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all of your father's house? For a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, help. I don't know what to do. Help. I don't know what to do. Everybody say that with me. Help. How many has ever felt that way before? Lord, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the word. Open our ears, open our hearts to hear your word this morning. Let your word go forth in power and in boldness. And Lord, let uh, your word take soil and root in our hearts that we be, be found faithful and fruitful in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Help, I don't know what to do. Now let's pay attention this morning. Let's give our undivided attention to the Word of God. It's very easy for us to get discouraged, but I encourage you to give your undivided attention to the Word of God this morning. Help, I don't know what to do. Have you ever had hard times in your life that you felt like you didn't know what to do? Have you ever had a hard time in your life that you didn't know what decision to make? Have you ever found yourself at the crossroads of decisions and it looked like both options were good? This looks good. That looks good. And you stand at the crossroads of decisions not knowing what to do. One moment you are sh for sure that that's what you need to do. And then the next day, it's as if you find yourself doubting yourself. You really want to please God, but you just don't know if you're going to make the right decision, whether that would please God or whether that would not please God. Is this me or is this God? How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I have dealt with the struggle between is this me or is this God? Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt the tension between is this God or is this me? It's almost as if we've been on an emotional roller coaster. One day you're up, one day you're down, and some days you just go round and round. You see, I want to encourage you this morning that God is not intimidated by your emotions. God is not intimidated by your frustrations. And God is not even intimidated by your doubt. I want to make sure you understand this thing this morning is that God specializes in messy people. I said God specializes in messy people. How many would say, Pastor, I've been a mess before. I've been involved in a mess. And I've also created a mess. 
God specializes in messy people. It's all right. Life never turns out the way that we think it should. It never turns out the way you think it should. But I promise you that there's always a plan behind the hurt. And I want to make sure you understand this this morning, is that I firmly believe that sometimes we overcomplicate the will of God. Sometimes we make the will of God harder than what it is. Sometimes we make things much harder than what it is. The will of God is not that hard. I mean, there are books that's written about the will of God. Is this the will of God or is that the will of God? And the reason that there is a struggle about the will of God is because at the core of each of us, we really do want to please God. We really do want to do what God wants us to do. We don't want to make the bad decision. So therefore, we find ourselves in a situation where there's tension. Is this me or is this God? My friends, all of us have faced that. I have faced it in my life. You will face it if you haven't already faced it. All of us find ourselves in that struggle. I want to propose something to you that maybe could help you discerning the will of God and what to do in life. Yes, in the Word of God, there are certain things that we should do as believers. We should serve. We should pray. We should develop spiritual disciplines. Those things we know we need to do. But I'm talking about what are those specific things? Who am I to marry? What job am I to get? Am I supposed to change job professions? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Those things are not necessarily found or written in the Word of God. So obviously, we're going to have questions because we want to please God. We want to do what God wants us to do. I want to say this, that God's will in God's way is whatever. Now, I know that sounds really simplistic, but I want you to say it with me. All together, I want you to say this with me. God's will in God's way is whatever. Come on, I want you to say it like you're mad at me, all right? I want you to say it really loud. God's will in God's way is whatever. Say it one more time. God's will in God's way is whatever. In other words, picture your life as if you're a driver and you're on a highway. Have you ever been in a major metropolitan city and you, found, you find yourself on a highway and there's like six lanes and you're in the middle and there's a couple lanes to the right and there's a couple lanes to the left? And there's all kinds of signs in front of you. And you're like, I don't know what direction to go. I don't know where to go. That's like your Christian life. It's, you need to stay in the same direction. But it doesn't matter what exit you get off of. Because you can always get back on the road. And you can always find your destination no matter what exit that you get off of. You have to find you have to stay at God's way. If you are on God's way, it doesn't matter what direction that you turn. Now, what I let me say this and let me say it loud and clear. Whatever, I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm not saying you should participate in sin and do something that's illegal, unethical, and immoral. Certainly not. 
But if you are in God's way and you are doing what God wants you to do, then there is no bad options, my friends. Listen to this scripture. Psalm chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Psalm chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Listen to the psalmist David as he writes this psalm. Psalm chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Get these words. I want you to pay attention to how he says this. He shall be like a tree. This is speaking of a believer. Who is planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. And whatsoever leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I want you to look at the last sentence. And whatever he does shall prosper. And whatever he does shall prosper. And whatever he does shall prosper. In other words, God may not tell you everything you need to do, but if you are in God's way, then whatever you do is going to prosper. Whatever decision that you make will prosper. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 39, this is the Apostle Paul giving instructions to a widow about getting remarried. Listen to how he says this, and I quote, A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord. Look at the scripture. Only in the Lord is the Lord's way. She has the freedom to choose whoever she wants to marry as long it's in the Lord's way. As long as he's a believer. As long as he's serving Christ. You are free to choose who you want. In other words, my friends, God's will should be in God's way. And if it's in God's way, what do I mean by that? It's in God's direction. What direction are you going in your life? If you are headed towards Christ, if you are headed towards Christ, then you can't make a wrong decision. If you are following Jesus and you are going in God's way, you cannot make a wrong decision. You see, God never disappoints the person who has a desire to follow His will. God never disappoints the person who has a desire to follow His will. We overcomplicate His will. We underestimate His way. Let me tell you something. I never prayed about going to seminary. I never prayed about going to school. I never prayed about pastoring a church. Because I was following Jesus. And I don't need directions if I have the driver that lives on the inside of me. If you got the driver on the inside of you, sitting at the driver's seat, you don't need the directions about everything in life. I didn't pray about it. You know why I didn't pray about it? Because the Holy Spirit lived in me. I just knew this was the way I should walk. I just knew this was the door that was open to me. I didn't fast and pray for 21 days because I knew on the inside of me this is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. And if I was making a wrong decision, then I would not feel peace about it. And then I would turn around and go the opposite direction or do something else. Listen, if there is tension, you need to pay attention. If there is tension, you need to pay attention. If it's in the gut, you'll get stuck in the rut. So always pay attention to what's in the gut. If you feel like you shouldn't go that way, then don't go that way. If pay attention to the gut, because if not, you'll get stuck in the rut. If there's tension, pay attention to the tension that's in your life. You see, sometimes we overcomplicate the will of God and we underestimate His way. 
Listen, if you cannot hear his voice, then you, may, you have to pay attention to the signs. If you don't hear his voice, then pay attention to the signs. You don't need directions if you got the driver living on the inside of you. Now, some of us may have put the driver in the trunk. But you need to let the Holy Spirit be the driver of your life. You need to let the Holy Spirit be the driver of your life. Now, what are the signs? There are certain signs in our life to help us to discover the will of God and to stay in God's way. And what is that? Number one, of course, it is the Scriptures. God's infallible Word of God. It is the Scriptures. If, if the Scripture states that we should not do it, we shouldn't do it. It's amazing to me that the Scripture says you ought to go to church and people ignore that and rather go to Walmart on Sunday morning. I don't understand how we can break God's principles and at the same time claim His promises. There are certain things the Scripture says as a believer we ought to do. And if that's recorded in Scripture, we need to try our very best to do those things. Number one, Scripture. The Scripture is your sign, most of all. Number two, what about the saints? The saints is a sign. The saints is a sign. In other words, wisdom is found in the multitude of counsel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 23, I want you to see this scripture talking about the early church. Acts chapter number 15 and beginning with verse number 28. I want you to see what happens here. Acts 15 and verse number 28. Acts 15 and verse number 28. Listen to this. These, these are the apostles coming together. And the Bible says it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. The apostles got together and said, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit that we ought to make this decision. And sometimes the will of God is not only known in Scripture, but it is also known through the saints. Somebody say, amen. It's known through the saints. It's known through the saints. So number one, it is the Scripture. And number two, it is the saints. It is the saints. Number three, it is the Spirit. The Spirit of God will speak to you. The Spirit of God will speak to you. You see, you, if it's in the gut, you might get stu stuck in the rut. So you have to follow what your spirit says. Is there peace about this particular decision? And number three, it's the season of your life. So you have Scripture, you have saints, you have the Spirit, and now you have the season. In other words, what does the season mean? If you are in middle school, you don't need to be getting married. So you need to evaluate what is the season of your life. You need to finish school. If you enrolled into school, you need to finish school. That is the season that you find yourself in. And whatever season that you find yourself in, you need to do it with all your heart. So what are the signs for the will of God? Number one, it is Scripture. What is found in Scripture? Is there something particular that's found in Scripture that I should not do? Number two, saints. What is the community saying? Wisdom is found in the multitude of counsel. What is the saints of God? What is the leadership saying? Have I asked a spiritual leader in my life? Number three, the spirit. What is your gut saying? Is there peace about this decision? And number three, what is the season of your life? There are certain seasons and cycles of our life that we should just do what the occasion demands. The story that's in front of us this morning provides us with great principles if you don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, I want you to see these principles in this story. Number one, 
I want you to see these principles in this story. Number one, life is more than donkeys. Say that with me. Life is more than donkeys. Come on, shout it out. Life is more than donkeys. Now, if you read the context of the scripture, you will find that Saul, this is before he was anointed as king over Israel, Saul lost his donkeys. He lost them. And what does Saul do? Saul goes to a prophet. He goes to a seer by the name of Samuel, and he is asking him to help him locate his donkeys. But you see, Saul, something else happened in Saul's life as he went to the prophet. Other things were revealed about Saul's life. He found out that life was more about donkeys. Saul lost his donkeys, went to the prophet, asked the prophet to help him, to find his donkeys, and as he's with the prophet, the Lord reveals to the prophet something about Saul. And that's what I want you to pay attention to this morning. Number one, life is more than donkeys. Saul is looking for the donkeys, and the prophet is going to reveal something to him. In other words, Samuel is going to say to Saul, there is something greater that's on the inside of you. Life is more than searching donkeys. You're searching for donkeys, Saul, but God is getting ready to anoint you as king over Israel. Life is more than just searching for donkeys. There is something deeper. There's something more significant on the inside of you that God wants to do. God wants to use you, Saul. You're out looking for the donkeys. You, you have anxiety about the donkeys, but God wants to do something else in your life. In other words, your mind is on the donkeys, but your heart is somewhere else. I want you to pay attention to the Scripture. I want you to go back to 1 Samuel, and I want you to pay attention to what this Scripture is saying. The Bible says in verse number 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am a seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will go with you, and I will tell you what's in your heart. The prophet said, I know you're coming to see me about donkeys. Look at verse 20. He answers the question. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. In other words, listen to me, church. Life is more than just going to work. Life is more than just getting a paycheck. Life is more than just having a family. You were created for a purpose. Life is more than just searching for donkeys. There was a greater call on Saul's life, and the call of God was for him to be king over Israel. Saul was appointed and anointed to be king. And yes, God was not against the donkeys because they were located. God is not against the things of life. God is not against the donkeys, but the donkeys should not be everything in life. You don't find your purpose in the donkeys of life. You don't find the purpose in the donkeys of life. The prophet said, your donkeys have been found, and that gave peace. Don't be anxious over your donkeys. I'm going to take care of them. But there is something deeper that God wants you to do. Listen to me, church. The donkeys of life represent everything else in life. It represents your job. It represents your family. It represents your profession. It represents your finances. It represents your relationship. It represents everything else. God is not worried about the donkeys. God is wanting you to know this morning that life is deeper than the donkeys. Saul, you got a call on your life. 
Saul, there's an anointing on your life. It's already in your heart, Saul. Your mind is looking for donkeys, but your heart is saying there's more to life than searching for donkeys. Are you hearing what this preacher is saying to you this morning? Look at verse number 19. He says, I'm going to tell you, verse 19, I'm going to tell you what's in your heart. You're looking for donkeys, but there's something else on the inside of you that's craving for more. There's something else on the inside of you that's longing for more. There's something on the inside of you that's desiring more. I want to let you know today, church, God is not against the donkeys of life, but I want to let you know there's something else on the inside of you, in your heart, that's crying out for more, that's saying there's more than just the donkeys of life. Saul, there's an anointing on your life. Saul, you have been called. You have been appointed. There's something greater in your life than just looking for donkeys. Am I talking to anybody in this building this morning? How many would agree with the preacher there's more to life than going to work? There's more to life than just raising a family. There's more to life than just driving a car and buying houses. There's more to life than donkeys. Saul, I called you to be king called you for a greater purpose. Number two, not only is life more than donkeys, but number two, staying with the Lord reveals our assignment. I want you to see this in verse number 19. Staying with the Lord reveals our assignment. Verse number 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm a seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will go with you, and I will tell you what's in your heart. Do you know what the prophet said? The prophet said to Saul, Saul, I want you to stay the night with me. Saul, stay with me, and tomorrow I will tell you what's in your heart. Stay with me, Saul. Stay the night with me. Have dinner with me, and tomorrow I will tell you what's in your heart. I want you to see an application to this scripture. I want you to see the prophet as the Lord. When you stay with the Lord, God is the one that reveals your assignment to you. When you are consistent in your relationship with the Lord, He's the one that reveals your assignment to you. As you walk in the Lord's way, things are revealed to you. It is when the it is when Saul stayed the night with the prophet, the next day his assignment was revealed. It's when we stay with the Lord, when we are consistent in our relationship, when we are consistent in our spiritual disciplines, as we walk in the way of the Lord, things are revealed to us. Let me tell you something, church. It's not just about having goals in life. God is not concerned about you having goals. God is more concerned about you growing. It's more about growth than goals. Goals will motivate you, but growth will mature you. Goals will produce pride in your life. Because once, you get once your goals are completed, you, you, can, you can develop this self-sufficiency about your life. But having a growth mindset keeps you in an opportunity to continue to grow. Goals will motivate you, but growth will mature you. God is more concerned about you growing and developing and forming than you completing goals in your life. Can I have an amen this morning? When you stay with the Lord, it reveals your assignment. I have never seen so many fickle people in my life. Have you? 
I mean, people are up and down and in and out and up one day and down the next. We have a revival and people are depressed. And I mean, we're so inconsistent about everything. It's when we stay consistent in our relationship with the Lord that our assignment is revealed to us. I want to ask you a question. Is your relationship with God strong enough to support the weight of the responsibilities of life? Is your relationship with God strong enough to support the responsibilities of life, the weight of responsibilities? Do you have big branches and a small root system? How deep is the root system? Is your branches bigger than the root system? Is your relationship strong enough to carry the weight of the responsibilities of life? And that is why people fizzle out. Because the root system is not deep. They have more branches than they have the root system. And so therefore when persecution and tribulation arises and the cares of this world come, they quickly give up because they don't have they don't have a relationship strong enough with God to carry the weight of responsibilities of life. The weight of responsibilities of life cannot be supported by the shallowness. It has to be much deeper than that. Number one, I want you to say life is more than donkeys. Saul had a greater purpose than just searching for donkeys. Number two, staying with the Lord reveals our assignment. He stayed with the prophet overnight, and then his assignment was revealed to him. It's the consistency, the staying with him. Number three, your tribe creates your vibe. What do I mean by that? The people that you associate with, the people that you hang out with, is going to create the vibe in your life. Now, I want you to see something in this story. 1 Samuel chapter 10, now there were several signs given to Saul that he was anointed. And one of the signs was that he was going to, uh, the spirit was going to come upon him. And he became a part of a company of prophets. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 6, guess what happens here? Look at this. Verse number, look at look, verse number 5. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 5. And after that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistines and the garrison is. And it will happen that when you come there to the city that you'll meet a group of prophets. Everybody say group of prophets. Coming down from the high place with string instruments, tambourine, flute, and harp before them. And they will be what? They will be what? Prophesying. Verse number 5. They will be prophesying. Verse number six. Look what happens in verse number six. And the Bible says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon you, will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. Do you see that phrase? You will prophesy with them. You will be a part of their vibe because you associated with their tribe. Let me tell you something. John Maxwell said this, you show me your top five closest friends and I will tell you where you will be in the future. Because your company that you hang out with and the people that you associate with does affect your transformation. Transformation will happen through association. I'm going to say that again. Transformation will happen through association. You cannot be hanging out with the wrong people every day of the week and expect to make good decisions. 
We say, well, what, what, about, what about those who are unsaved? Now, hold on. It's the principle of contact without contamination. You can come in contact with them. You can minister to them, but their influence, their influence should not come, come on you. You should influence them. Now, hold on here. I never discovered this. Have you ever thought of the word influence? If you spell the word influence, what is the word in the middle of influence? Flu. Influence is contagious. And when you get around people, whether they're godly or not godly, it will influence you if your relationship is not strong enough. Second Timothy, chap- uh, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22. Listen to this scripture. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22. This is amazing to me of the Christians. You know, their, their relationship is not solid, so they're, they end up turning into the world instead of influencing the world. You need to spread this flu. You need to spread the flu of Christianity. You need to spread the flu of love. You need to spread the flu of kindness. You need to spread it. But in other words, they have spread it on us and we've received it. Listen, folks, you've got to be a contagious Christian. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22. What does the Lord say? Timothy says, he says, flee from youthful lust, pursue after righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You see community there? Your tribe produces your vibe. You have to call on people of like manner. People around you. Transformation will happen through associations. Tonight we have small groups. We don't have church tonight. We have small groups. And I'm asking you to be a part of a small group tonight. There is a growth point packet in the foyer. Pick it up. There's a list of small groups, and I'm asking you to be a part of it. You need somebody. You have to have people in your life. You're not called to do this alone. This is not about isolation. This is not about your four and no more. This is about the body of Christ helping one another. You weep, I weep. You cry, you cry. We do life together. We do life together. So tonight is a wonderful opportunity for you to be connected to a group. Well, I don't like those people in my group. Guess what? That helps you grow. If everybody was like you, you would never grow. You need a little bit of sandpaper in your life to grow. If everybody shouted like you and acted like you and dressed like you, you would never grow. We need some people in our group that gets on our nerves, that dresses different, that says things different, that has a different viewpoint because it makes us grow and it makes our minds stretch. Can I hear an amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. 1, Timothy, I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Transformation will happen through association. Some, listen to pastor in closing. Sometimes when you feel like you don't know what to do, this is what happens to people. When they don't know what to do, they'll 
And I say this because I pastor 20 years. People say, well, I just need to, I just need to move to a different state. Well, I just, you know, I've seen people do wild things. You know, divorce so-and-so because they just, just you know, want to change, you know. Sometimes, and that's ridiculous, sometimes it's not location that you need. Sometimes it's you need to change the stages of your life. And in Scripture, there's three stages. You're either, you're either a, a child, you're either a young man or a young woman in the faith, or you're a mother or father in the faith. And some of us are outgrowing a stage, and we don't know how to go to the next stage, so we get uncomfortable and we think, well, we need to go to a different church, we need to do a different thing. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 I'm trying to grow you, and you're misinterpreting what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring you up to a new level. You've been a young man and young woman in the faith too long. You need to come up a new stage, and you need to be a mother and father in the faith. You've been a follower for too long. It's time for leadership now. Number four, I'm doing real good. I told Brandon my goal is to preach 35 minutes. Was that 35 minutes, bro? I'm at 32. I am smoking it this morning. Wow. And this is my last point. Number four. And what y'all need to give me some credit. Come on. You so it so have what three minutes left? Is that right? In whatever season, my last point, whatever season you may find yourself in, just do what is necessary. Just do what is necessary. In whatever season that you find yourself in, do what is necessary. If you're going to school, for the love of God, finish school. Whatever season you may be in, just do what is necessary. If your money is funny and your kids are crazy, do what is necessary. All right? Just do what is, you don't have to pray and fast for 14 days, baby. Go eat a cheeseburger. It's all right. Do what is necessary. Somebody better shout amen. I'm going to eat some Mexican after church. Somebody better help me out. First Timothy. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I got two minutes here. Y'all ready? 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7. This is, this is what happens. And let it be, this is what the prophet said to Saul. And let it be, when you see these signs happen to you, that you do whatever the occasion demands, for God is with you. I'm about to shout up in here. You know what? Nowhere in this scripture did the Spirit come back to Saul and tell him what to do. Because now the Spirit is the driver. And you don't need directions if you got the driver on the inside of you. And if you got the driver on the inside of you, just do what is necessary at the moment in your life. Whatever season you find yourself in, you're not going to make a bad decision because the Spirit lives on the inside of you. And just do whatever is necessary. And we miss... What God wants to do in our life because we pray about everything. There are some things you don't need to pray about. You don't need to pray about reading the Bible and going to church and serving and being nice and tipping the waiter. 
You don't need to pray about those things. You do need to pray about your heart. You do need to pray about how you respond to people. You do need to pray about the bitterness of your soul. You, there are some things that's more important to pray about. Instead of always getting in the prayer closet, praying about how everybody hurt you. God, you know they hurt me, Jesus. Jesus, I just pray that they just get back what you just give, give it to them, Lord. No, no, no. More important things to pray about. Whatever season that you find yourself in, just do it. If you have a check in the gut, that's an indication you might be in a rut. Change the direction. If there's tension, pay attention to the tension. You have the scriptures. You have the saints. You have the spirit. And you have the seasons. Those are indicators for you to stay on the highway of life going in the right direction. Can somebody say amen?